Welcome, Wildcats, to the Weber State Weekly Football Show, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man whose ugliest thing in his house is likely himself, Sean Lewis. On the show today, a man who's the ugliest thing in his house is a brown mirror chair combo thing, Dustin Chapman. Everybody has though, right? Like there's those things that you just, you disagree with your wife on as far as like design, but I clearly lost this one. I, I can't handle it. It's wooden, it's a chair and it's a mirror. How do you have that? What is that? And why is it in my house? <laughs> also, a man whose ugliest thing in his house is the grandma rocking chair, Mr. Tom Stackerock. Yes, it is. It's it's got that, uh, you know, when you used to ride that bus out to Wendover on those old buses about 15 years ago, and that bus had those patterns on the seat. That's the pattern on the on the on the chair, on the rocking chair. So that's that's pretty ugly. Today on the show, we have a player interview with junior punter Mackenzie Morgan, who should have been Big Sky player, special teams player of the week. But we'll get into that just a little bit later. Then we'll have a recap of Weber State's win over number two, Eastern Washington on the ugliest thing in Weber State's home away from home, that ugly red field. But first, we want to make sure you subscribe, follow us, et cetera, et cetera. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We have a Patreon. And of course, uh, take care of our sponsors, those who help us help you uh, get the Weber State content that you want. And that's wildcatrack.com for all your licensed Wildcat gear. So let's start the show off today with our interview with uh, junior punter Mackenzie Morgan. Uh, We bring him into our our studio tonight. How are you doing, Mackenzie? I'm well, mate. How you going, fellas? We're doing great. We're super happy to have you on the show. Um, let's let's just get started with some of these questions. Originally from Trig, Australia, how did being an American football kicker get on your radar? I mean, I'd, I'd love to know how I got on the radar, but to be honest, it was never on the radar growing up. Uh, obviously, I knew about uh, American football Growing up, you'd see it on TV sometimes. I used to watch the Super Bowl every now and then. Well, obviously, every now and then once a year. But uh, I actually grew up just playing Australian rules football, which is the number one sport back in Australia. And grew up. And all I wanted to do growing up was be a football player and, uh, you know, progress through the ranks back in Perth, Western Australia. And uh, ended up hurt myself a couple of times, hurt my knee twice, had two knee reconstructions by the time I was 19. And... Then I was doing a plumbing apprenticeship because I didn't want to go to uni. And then I was finishing my plumbing apprenticeship and I thought to myself, you know what, I could probably I could probably go kick spirals and go kick torps uh, in the US if I really wanted to, I reckon. So I told my dad, I said, I think I'm going to go and move to, move to US to punt. And he said, you're joking. I said, no, nah, I don't think I am. And he said, all right, what are you going to do? So I called Pro Kick Australia, Nathan Chapman and John Smith, who... Funnily enough, now that I'm here at Weaver State, I actually have a long relationship with Coach Hill. Um, I called him. Uh, Chappie said, go film yourself at the park. Film myself at the park with Dad filming. Kicked a couple of kicks and he said, move to Melbourne next week. And then three months later, I had an offer at Cal. That fell through. And then nine months later, I was going NC State. And 15 months later, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's a crazy story. And quick, you, you, you just plumbing one day and decided you just want to go kick football. So that's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned that you played two years at North Carolina State and then you came to Weber State. Um, and I think you kind of hinted at this in your answer previously. But what put Ogden on your radar and, and what was the deciding factor on choosing to come to Weber State? So I went to NC State. Obviously, I sight unseen. So that's how a lot of the pro kick guys happen. It goes through YouTube or, you know, word of mouth or recommendation on a certain coach or just 
you know, sure. by the reputation of previous Australians. Uh, so I went there. We had a special teams coordinator, Coach Fork, who's now the running backs coach at the Steelers. And we had uh, Coach Shearer, who's now, he was the quality control coach there. And uh, he's now the special teams coordinator at Miami of Ohio. And they both recruited me. I went there and I red-shirted behind a guy called AJ Cole, who's now the punter at the Raiders. And he's uh, one of my best mates now. So I red-shirted behind him for the first year. And that was all good. No worries at all. That was always the plan. Um, and then just to, you know, what college football is like, uh, Coach Shearer left to Miami of Ohio. Coach Fork went to the Steelers. And we got a new special teams coordinator in. And, you know, you just it's just one of those things. I think you know you got to have a you got to have a system in place for an Australian, and uh, just didn't work out. And then I got basically I knew I was going to leave halfway through that season, and I got in contact with Doug Lloyd, who I knew from Pro Kick Australia, and I said, "Look, I think I'm going to I'm going to leave here. Do you reckon you can put in a word for me?" And I think he just spoke to Chappie about it, and then who's my coach, obviously, and then. Chappie spoke to me about it and said, I'll oh, we'll probably replace you. We can stay with Doug if you want to leave. And I said, yeah, let's do it. Because I didn't really want to go to another school where they hadn't had an Australian. I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, like Coach Hilly's had an Australian his whole career the last 10 years, really. So I wanted to go there. And that was basically it. Done deal, mate. I love hearing that. So, so Mac, Utah's not Australia. <laughs> how, how, did the, how did the snowy winners uh, agree with you here in Utah? <laughs> Yeah, I came on my visit. Uh, my visit was the Montana game when we won in the playoffs. And uh, that was pretty cold that night. That was um, cold. Like we, we here, that was genuinely, that was a cold night. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was actually ridiculous. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is, I made, bad, <laughs> I made a bad move here. And then oh, I, you guys I, were I talking about that. I was perfectly warm through the entire through the entire game with my snuck in hot chocolate and then the victory keeping me warm. I had, to, I had to end up going up into the room upstairs or whatever it is just to watch from inside, but it was cold, man. And uh, then I went back to Australia actually for Christmas and it was obviously it's summer in Australia over Christmas. And then I came back and we went straight into winter workouts and it was like an igloo. Um, you know, I was remember punting one day. I was first week in, I was punting in the snow, I was shoveling snow out. I said, oh, this is no good, man. I can't do this. But, uh, it's, you know, it's not too bad. Not too bad. We actually, I actually, to be honest, I probably got away with it quite well when I first moved here because COVID kicked in and I went home for COVID. So I actually, like, it was like March 23rd, I ended up leaving anyway. So we didn't really cop the, we didn't even do a spring ball. We did one practice. That's fair. I love that. Well, and, and I know, you know, the snow and, and toughness, the Australian football guys, late at night, every once in a while, I will flip it on when there's nothing on and I'll, I'll watch live Australian football on, I think it's on usually on Fox sports too. If I see it and those guys are tough, like they are tough. So I, I can see where the toughness comes from and where you may have gotten injured because those guys are hitting and there's no pads. The one thing I never get is the officials. When you kick it through, whatever the goalpost is, the guys that come out and point, I'm always like, what is that guy doing? Like, what, yeah. what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone asks about that. Are you oh, is that the sport where they do the thing with the goal umpires? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's the one. But uh, no, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different sport for sure. I've got David Ames into it. I live with David Ames and Rashid. David Ames loves it. Loves it now, so it's good. They have a tutorial. Somebody's there to explain it to them. <laughs> Yeah, he says, what are you doing here? So I just tell him what's going on, but it's good. I like it. I still watch the footy a lot. All my mates play, so um, I'm um, heavily invested in it still. 
I, I love watching the Aussie rules football, but uh, I, I, I just can't stay up that late for it most nights. So, um, hey, we wanted to talk to you about special teams uh, being a hallmark of, of a Jay Hill coach team. Um, can you talk to us about how Coach Hill prepares you guys uh, to be elite on the special teams and, and how that affects uh, the game each Saturday? Uh, he just says he, he preaches if you want to play, you know, to play on special teams to get a start. And then I think, obviously, I've only been here two years now, but I, I'm from what I can gather, it's a whole like you know, you earn the trust through special teams as a freshman, and then you know, you end up playing really good special teams, and then um, I think it's sort of like a it's like a trust build up, and there's a lot of emphasis on you know, this is not just. Offense, defense is the different phase of the game where we can, you know, either steal points, steal a fat, steal a possession, flip the field, whatever it may be. There's a lot of meetings involved. Uh, from what I can gather, obviously, like a lot of my mates, uh, there's, you know, we all got 10 to 15 really close friends now that are punting throughout the US. Uh, I don't think there's a 30 minute special teams meeting every day at a lot of programs. So I think maybe there's a strong emphasis on, just meeting every day, going through the basics, going through your formations, going through what every person's job is. And I think there's just a heavy emphasis on, you know, you got to do this right because if you want to play, you're going to probably have to start on special teams. That's my understanding of it, really. Mackenzie, if we, if you go back, you know, we had the three fake punts. And I think the one for me is the second one because people will say, if you look at the analytics, 25 seconds left in the game, good chance you punt it away and everybody goes into the locker room and every, and, and then we start the second half, but it turns out that we get three points off of that. But what uh, kind of talk to us about how you guys prepared for that moment, because that's a big moment. And I'm, I'm sure coach Hill didn't make that decision on just saying, you know, let's just do this, but he must've been pretty darn confident in you guys, but also what you guys were seeing as far as a scheme and, you know, like, how did you guys prepare for that? What was kind of the whole weekend preparing for that, that situation? Yeah. So the run one was different. Uh, obviously I don't know how much I can say, but I can say this, right. I think, <laughs> but, uh, so we obviously practice fakes and you, every program does at NC state. We practice fakes, you know, you practice a lot of programs just practice them just cause they're like, Oh, we've got to have a fake in. They don't actually yeah. necessarily sit there and want to steal a possession, but it's sort of become coach. Hill's thing. He's really good on special teams and he really good at, he prides himself on getting possession back. He says that Urban Meyer used to, you know, teach him that we need to steal a possession back. So I think he's just, it's just, it's been in his body for the last, it's been in his mind for the last 20 years. But um, the run fake was different. That's a fake that Doug Lloyd ran a couple of times. A lot of teams run that when they overload one side, they run to the other side. Um, but what happened with that was we haven't practiced that for a couple of weeks. Um, and they uh, they lined up on the formation and we were going to punt it. And he called the timeout and he came to the sideline. He said, hey, we're going to run the run fake here. Let's do it. Looked at me and he said, you're going to get it. Make sure you get the first down and get out of bounds. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And then yeah. we went out there, we did it, and I did it. So yeah. that was about it, really. Yeah. Well, I don't think that I've ever great. seen a, a team do three fake punts in a single game ever, right? You might get one a game, but never three and three successful ones, right? Or was it two successful? Oh, it was all three. Uh, yeah, all three, three were successful. successful. Yeah, three, three were successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Max, what, what scares you most in, in when those plays are called? Or, is it is it when you have to run and you know you're going to get uh, taken down at the end or trying to complete the pass? 
I was trying to explain this to a couple of guys. I don't, obviously from the footy background, it's hard explaining to the coaches and stuff. I don't care about getting here, but like the helmet on my head is just a complete dead weight. Like guys like Preston and stuff, <laughs> Dez will just like fly around Eddie, they'll fly around head first helmet, just tackling with their helmet basically. And to me, that thing's just like a dead weight on my head. Like I wouldn't, people, they use it as a weapon. I'm just, I'm just got it on my head because I have to have it on my head. If I did that, I'd happily have it, not have it on. So that's probably the hardest thing is like, I don't know at what point do I leave with my head or like what point, you know what I mean? I, I don't get all that. The, right, the throwing thing is I'm literally the self-proclaimed worst throw of all time. Like it's actually hilarious that I throw two fakes because I have an absolute noodle arm. Um, and the we've done it, we've run it at practice a couple of times and at practice I've had to, that the look's been harder at practice. So um, we've actually never run it at practice from that side of the field. It's always been on the other hash. So I don't you didn't even have a landmark to throw at. And normally I've got like yeah, normally like we've got whoever's floating across with Jared. So I'll have to throw it a bit better um, and a bit faster. But I literally I didn't panic when we got the ball and I saw he was that open. I was like, oh my God, like. I just have to lob this up to him. Like, I can't believe he's that open. So whatever technique of throwing I had just went completely out the window and I had to get it there because I, I wouldn't say I panicked, but I was like, oh, I need to get this out. I have not mess it up. So I basically just lobbed it there. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, love that answer. All right. Uh, we thank you so much for your time. We got one more question for you. And, and because we believe in the student of student athlete, you're majoring in communications. What's your plans after graduation next year? Oh, I've got, I've got a lot of plans, mate. You ask my dad, anyone. I've just got a lot of plans. Every day I wake up, I've got something else that I want to do. I don't know if I want to be bloody, I don't know if I want to be a TV star, radio star. I don't know if I want to do the sunglasses nonstop. Don't know if I, I don't know. I'd love to play in the NFL, but it's just a revolving door. All the guys in the NFL are really good. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I've got no idea, mate. I'm, I'm slowly working on a couple of things. Got a podcast on the side that I'm trying to do. Got the sunglasses. But, uh, mate, I'm just going with the wind right now. Wherever it takes me, I'll go. I'll end up. I'll give it a crack. That's for sure. Well, go ahead and plug your sunglasses for us. Oh, mate, Mr. Strange, fully polarized. Got the AirPods in too, mate. Got the AirPod Flex, fully polarized. Mr. Strange sunglasses, unisex. Can't see a thing because it's inside, but, you know, it's all good. If you want to protect the retinas, mate, you get these. Go to mrstrange.com, mrstrangehighway.com. Fantastic. Mate. Fantastic. Mac, thank you so much for joining us here on Weaver State Weekly. Good luck to, to you the rest of the season, and uh, uh, we hope to see some more uh, successful fake punts uh, in the future. And hopefully some bigger punts too, mate. Take care. Thanks, guys. Mac, you've been it. awesome this year. Thank you. Trying to be. Take it till you make it, hey? <laughs> <laughs> Junior punter Mackenzie Morgan on Weaver State Weekly. Thanks again to junior punter Mackenzie Morgan for joining us here on Weber State Weekly. Uh, love talking to the Australian on the team and uh, getting his insight and uh, support him and his sunglasses uh, uh, business so he can make some cash from the new uh, name, image, and likeness uh, rules. Uh, so let's get into our recap of, of last week's game. Uh, Wildcats go into Roosefield, our home away from home, um, and take care of number two, Eastern Washington, uh, with a final score, 35, 34, um, close game throughout guys. Um, this is their was breaking it. I believe it was a 20 or 22 game win streak on, on the red for Eastern Washington last loss at home for, for the Eagles was in 2017. 
strangely enough, the last time the Wildcats uh, hit that field. Uh, this is uh, beginning to be an interesting uh, rivalry. I, I don't know if I want to call it a rivalry type yet, but the but two teams that are at the top of the conference every year. So what would, Let's start with Tom. Uh, Coach, what was the what was the thing that stuck out to you as the secret sauce for the Wildcats? What what propelled the propelled the Wildcats to this victory? Well, I think I think one thing is, you know, being in a situation they were they're in, you know, they can take a few risks here and there, hence three fake punts. You know, I think that that's something that that kind of turned the tables for them. You're stealing possessions, right? Mm -hmm. um, playing loose, you know, not so tight. You know, they got, they go in there, they got nothing to lose and they just let it, let it fly and, and good things happen for them. So I think, I think that was a, a big part of it, you know, just from a, a mental point of it. And I think, you know, um, Jay Hill did a heck of a job getting those guys, believing them in themselves to go up in there and play, you know, because uh, they're not where they want to be, but he's found a way to get those guys to believe, to go on, go up there, take on the number two team in the country and knock them off. So I think there were some things that were said during the week that he got those guys motivated and believing in themselves and it, it paid off. Chappie, what about you? What was the secret sauce for the victory on Saturday? Uh, two things. The first one is something that Jay Hill says, I believe at every weekly press conference and post game conference, I've heard him say this this year. And that is, quote, we got to get Rashid the ball more, unquote. That's right. Every time. Guess what they did on Saturday? They got Rashid the ball more. <laughs> and it worked. Six receptions, 109 yards, long of 44. Rashid had a great day. Uh, he was in the game plan a lot more, and it, and it paid off. Okay. Um, the number two thing for me is I, I don't know. I don't, necessarily, I don't have anything to back this up, but they were loose on Saturday, like Tom said. I think they may play better as the underdog. I right? like, I think the whole mentality was different. They weren't tight. They weren't, they weren't playing to fail, to lose. They were, they, they wanted it. They were playing to win because they were the underdog. And it, it makes me wonder um, if, 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 if the football team, if Weber just plays better in, in a role like that, where they're not expected to, to win the game. So just to, to fill it up, I think you had this right. Six receptions for 109 yards for Rashid uh, on the on the receiving end uh, uh, on Saturday. Um, I want to get back to that point, though, that, that you guys have, have reached out to. Being an underdog, do you, do you think some of this um, struggles that Weaver has had on the offensive end specifically, but are, are where we're at, is it that that looseness? Could that come from having a couple of losses and not having the pressure of the national ranking and not having the pressure of the the, hey, you've won four straight conference titles and there's there's this expectation that you have to be undefeated to, to achieve your dreams. Does, does losing that take some of that pressure off and lead to uh, a more devil may care attitude in, in that you're willing to try things that you normally wouldn't, you've expanded the playbook a little bit. You've, you've gone and had a little bit more opportunity to, to try some things when, when that pressure is off. I, you know, man, I, I just think, with Weber State and, and for the last four years being on top, 
and kind of being hunted all the time is a little different mindset. Mm-hmm. And now when they're not on top and then you're trying to get something, I just think you're more motivated when you don't have something, you know, and you're where they were there at, you just, it's just a human nature to be more motivated to, to get to that, to that spot. I think that's, that's a big thing. I mean, man, it's, it's hard to handle success. You know, it really is. And then not just one year success, but how many years is it, have, have they been successful? I mean, it's four years, right? Yep. That's, that's hard to, with 18, 19 year old guys to stay motivated for four years. It's, it's tough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, Chappie, the Wildcat defense held uh, Eric Berrier to a season low, 245 yards passing. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS, uh, likely a Peyton award finalist. What do you think was the secret to success against him on Saturday? Well, and if, if we go back to 2018, uh, Eric Berrier's first start was against Weaver state here at Stewart stadium and Jay Hill prayed on him <laughs> all night. The defense, the Jay Hill defense prayed on him all night. Uh, I think that uh, watching Berrier in the few games that I've watched him this year, uh, Jay Hill punishes the Weaver state defense led by Jay Hill. And now of course, uh, coach Duff and coach Dale, uh, they prey on undisciplined teams, right? Uh, Montana state was not an undisciplined team and you kind of saw, uh, how that went. They, 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 they did well against them, but Eric Berrier was making moves and rolling back and doing things that no quarterback at any level should do. <laughs> and, and he, he sometimes gets away with it. And I think that's why he does it. But, uh, to me, him being undisciplined is really what what would open the door for Weber State to do that. Now, I'm not trying to take away from Weber State's defense. They game planned for it and played it perfectly. The entire second half, I mean, you could see Barry coming out there, and it was like he was getting increasingly more and more and more frustrated with him not being able to do anything. He, now, he finished with 245 yards, correct? Yes. And so, but then you think about it this way too, is in a football game, an offense is going to have what a good high flying office is going to have about 16, 17 possessions. Right. But he missed out on how many possessions did he miss out on? Missed out on five, right? Three fake punts and two turnovers. So there's five, five possessions. So you take five possessions, three turnovers yet. Oh no, no, you're right. No. Yes. Two fumbles. Oh, we had two fumbles and an interception. Yeah. So that's five possessions, right? So that's five times. He didn't have a crack, a chance to go down the field. So, I mean, I think that those punts, those fake punts, that's a big deal. Possessions, right? Yeah. It, it comes down to those stolen possessions. Like uh, Mac was talking to us in the previous segment. Uh, Let's talk about those turnovers for just a second. First time all season, maybe I, I can't remember. I, I should look this up and, and be certain about it. Um, but definitely one of the few times this season that Weber has been in the plus category uh, on turnovers all, all season. Um, we were, got the benefit of those turnovers. Uh, do we expect Do we expect to see more uh, high flying defense uh, getting those turnovers moving forward against maybe some of the weaker teams of the Big Sky Conference? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think when, when you have a defense like Weber state has a defense and, and then you look at those teams and their run defense, so we're going to be able to run the ball on those teams and they're going to start pressing and our secondary is pretty good. 
and that ball is going to be up in the air. I think there's going to be, <laughs> I think it, there's going to be a lot more turnovers going Weber State's way. I mean, it's just simple mathematics to me. That's what I think is going to happen. Jeff? And I, I agree with that. I mean, I, we're, the, again, I think the teams that we've been playing have been uh, just good teams, right? And and we weren't making the plays necessarily, but I don't know that the opportunities were there because they were good teams. And yes, I for me, I mean, this is the first game in a while, at least against one of the top three, top 10, 15 teams that we played this year that we won the turnover battle. So yes. And, you know, and just to add to that too, is if we look back, the the uh, the history to me for turnovers has been other teams that start to press. They start to press a little bit. They start to press a little bit, and then they turn the ball over. Right for the the games that we haven't turned the ball or they we haven't got turnovers. Those teams have never been in a situation where they needed to press. Eastern Washington got in a situation where they started to press a little bit, and we got some turnovers. Well, and, and the way we pressed was interesting too because Montana when they played Montana a couple weeks ago, Montana was trying to force the press by blitzing like every single play and sending right. multiple guys, every single play and, and Barrier about halfway through the third quarter into the fourth quarter, they were exhausted. And that's when he started, he clicked and just started dominating them. It was almost the opposite effect against Weaver state. Uh, they weren't sending guys and they were still, I mean, our DBs had a phenomenal game. Eddie Heckard played out of his mind, all the credit in the world to those guys. Same with Preston Smith. Like, um, you know, Connor Mortensen, our, our secondary was, was wonderful, but it, it, to me, that was the interesting part of the game plan. I mean, they, they found a way to make Eastern Washington and Eric Barry a press without having to send the house every single time. Right. Well, and I think we're going to see more, more turnovers and, and this is just a, a fluke of the schedule, but looking at the conference standings right now, Weber state is tied for fifth at two and two with four other teams, Montana, NAU, Portland uh, state or the other, other teams looking ahead at the schedule. We've only got four games left. Three of those games are against teams behind us in the, on the standings table. One is with Portland state. That's tied with us on the, on the standings table. Um, there's two undefeated teams in the conference, uh, two teams with one loss going ahead. I, I don't want to say that we've still got a chance for a conference title because lots of things could happen. And, and, and I think that that ship has sailed, sailed with the tiebreakers and the head to head games, but looking at our future schedule, I don't see a team that is really stronger than Weber state on the upcoming schedule. So if we can string together four more wins, then you've got a chance to at least somewhat control your own destiny going into the postseason. Is that, is that a good thing or would it be better to be taken on a sack state to build our resume? Yeah. Well, we don't have that choice. No, I mean, we don't. We, <laughs> I know. We don't have that option. Unfortunately, we had all the resume games and we won one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, Wildcat offense scoring in the second half. 22 of the 35 points came in the second half. What was working this week that, that wasn't working previously, Tom? Yeah, I kind of I want to, uh, you know, talk about, you know, I know we threw the deep ball in the first half, but how many, how many deep balls did we throw in the second half? You know, I know we talked about Rashid, but did he have any deep balls in the second half? Uh, we can look that up, but go ahead with your point. No, I, so I just thought that we played, you know, we just took high percentage throws, kept the ball moving 
And we had the running backs, the running backs were getting up in the line of scrimmage and making their cuts. You go back and look at that Montana state game. Those guys are making their cuts when they got the ball handed off to them. But I mean, they were able to get up into the line of scrimmage and start to make cuts, do work. And, and we were, we were uh, successful running the football. I think that was huge. Never got behind the change. It didn't seem like, although we did get behind the chains when we had those problems, uh, coming off and we're, we got a penalty because of too many men on the field or time delay or what our, all those calls were, but we, we still were able to man, able to get ahead of the head of the chains in those situations. And just, I thought we just did a good job of managing the game from that standpoint, running the football, throwing it when we needed, uh, uh, needed to throw it physical up front. O-line was physical, running backs were physical. And I think it was really contagious for the whole team. And it was just, uh, I think the excitement started to grow that, Hey man, this is going to happen. We're going to win this game. So. I will say for me, to me, the biggest difference, especially in that second half was, and it was so good to see him out there running. It was Chris Jackson. Like he, that, that, that man rumbles when he, when he runs and it's fun to see him enjoy himself. You know, he's had some injury issues for the past while, but uh, to me, that was a big difference. And Tom, you're right. Like the cuts were right. They, we were in this, we were watching Sean and I, we were all together as a group watching the Montana state game. And like it, the running game just wasn't there for what all, for whatever they were doing, the blocking scheme, whatever it was, like you said, cut too early. It just wasn't there, but that was there on Saturday. And that's what really carried us to the win. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they just handed the ball to Chris Jackson and he, he, he led him to victory. And, and, and I will also credit, uh, Randall Johnson, you know, for late in the game, I think they handled him differently and they handled him better than they had in his past appearances, uh, at quarterback. They, they, they kept giving him short throws, kept giving him quick plays and letting him make quick decisions. And, and he was doing it. He did well. And then he, you know, he handed off the ball to Chris Jackson and Chris Jackson did the rest, especially late in the fourth quarter. So two things on that, uh, Chris Jackson, three touchdowns, 93 yards on the ground uh, for his day. Uh, Randall Johnson. I know a lot of us cringe when, when uh, Bronson took a shot and, and they bring Randall Johnson in uh, for a six, uh, 23 yards uh, for Randall Johnson. But I agree with you. The, 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 the play calling, which I, I have been critical of the play calling all season. Um, the play calling with Randall Johnson was, was really good to your point, Chappie. Put him in situations where he can be successful. He knew exactly where the throw was, knew exactly what the play was to, to do it. He did those things. They moved the field. Uh, I know that I wasn't the only fan that was a little bit worried in a close game. Randall Johnson coming in, man, are we going to throw in the towel because Eastern Washington's too good and, and, and Randall Johnson hasn't been successful. So I, I agree with you and want to give Randall Johnson credit where credit is due. He managed what he needed to manage for those six or 10 plays that he was in. Where Randall Johnson has always struggled for me is, is when that first read isn't there, it feels like after that, the, the second, third read is, it, it, I don't know. He can't find whatever. It's just not there. Saturday, the, the reads that he had, it was quick decision-making and go, and there was no thinking about it. It was the first option, and we didn't get to the second and third option. 
I think, I think the coaching staff has got him squared away too, because I remember the Idaho state game last year when he fumbled, that ball was about a foot away from his body, just waving around there. And then you watch him run the ball in the Eastern Washington game. That ball is high and tight to his chest. So he's been coached up on ball security for sure. Yep. Uh, especially, I believe he was the one that caused the 96 yard, uh, uh, fumble return against one. Was that not Randall? James Madison against James Madison? Yeah. That play didn't happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Chaffee. Um, well, that's where we're at. All right. Well, that's our recap of Weber state against Eastern Washington upcoming games this Saturday. Uh, the Wildcats travel up to what I like to call the decrepit potato cellar in Pocatello, uh, Holt arena, uh, for a 1 PM kickoff on ESPN plus or one Oh three, one, the wave. If you want to listen to the dulcet, tones of Steve Klauke call that game. Uh, our next home game is uh, two weeks away uh, against Portland state. Another 1 PM kickoff here at Stewart stadium. Uh, also in the same place as ESPN plus or one Oh three, one, the wave. I want to thank our panel for coming in tonight uh, or today and, and giving us their insights. Uh, thanks again to Mackenzie Morgan. Uh, junior punter from Australia for, for giving him, giving us his sharing his time with us. Um, of course you can reach out to the team. Uh, Weber state weekly at gmail.com, facebook.com slash Weber state weekly at Weber state weekly on the Twitter and the Instagram. Of course we have our Patreon um, and of course support the, those that support us wildcatrack.com for Tom Stackerock and Dustin Chapman. We're going to end this as we always do. Uh, Weber state, Weber state. Great. Great. Great, great. Go wild, yes. We'll get, we'll get that down. Get that down better yeah. next time. <laughs>